The rich have always made the rules. Rules about tax savings, social security, required minimum distributions, financial do's and don'ts. But they don't tell you what those rules are. Because if you knew the rules, you could take advantage of them like the wealthy do. Where do you go to learn about these rules? And how do you take advantage of them for your benefit? Learn about your financial power on the Total Financial Hour with host Arif Halaby, Sundays at 11 a.m. on AM870, The Answer. That's Sundays at 11 a.m. on AM870, The Answer. Security will help you live the life you dream. Learn about financial power, the total financial hour. Now, higher income strategy. Learn from Arab Halaby. Hey guys, welcome to the program. Thanks for being with me. Pleasure to have you. I'm talking about your family's finances, of course, getting out of debt, managing money, planning for the future. Uh, look, I think we're starting to get back into to life a little bit. We're starting to, to think about, I don't know, leaving your mask at home. You know, many of you are concerned about that. Many of you are running around with, you know, masks hanging from your rearview mirror, hanging from your back pocket. Do you realize that 100% of that is unsanitary? 100%. If you don't take it from a package with gloves, put it on, Take it off with gloves and distribute, uh, d- uh, discard it in the red burn trash bags. Then you are an unsanitary mask wearer and would be fired from any community college s- certified nursing LVN program, let alone nurse, doctor, specialist, surgeon, operating room person. <laughs> you would even you wouldn't last for five five minutes. I, I mean, the joke's over, right? You guys have to understand the joke's over. It's finished. We did, we did it. It's over, right? We realized some people passed away from COVID, uh, some because the inaction from the medical professions, right? They just let you get sicker, 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 and then they put you on a ventilator and cross their fingers. We had medical treatment early on, and people were afraid because President Trump said, oh, you know, why don't you try remdesivir or ivermectin? And oh my gosh, the world you know collapsed. Oh, but you can have... You know, these same people recommend wearing a mask. I, I don't know. I mean, it's getting old, but I want you to know that I think we're getting back to normal. But I do want to touch on something since it's so fresh and still fresh. I want to touch on what we call symbolism over substance, because this is why I think it's going to affect your retirement. The more we start doing the symbolism, as long as we feel like looking like we might like we, it kind of sort of is, then it must be Right. So I think we get down that road and you wonder how it impacts you. So, okay, I'm going to give you my number, 888-99-RETIRE. Grab a pen and paper. I'll give it to you again in a second. That's 888-997-3847, 888-99-RETIRE. As I mentioned, I'm Arif Hallaby from the Total Financial Hour. We're uh, we're on for two hours this week, which is always nice. I, I mentioned to you that's our new regular schedule is two hours every week this time. So we're talking about your family's finances, getting out of debt. And when we say managing money, I say that because we've talked about the radio uh, symbolism uh, over substance on the radio here. What do I mean by that? Well, because a big part of this I've shared with you when I was a Los Angeles policeman right off the off ramp uh, of Sunset and the 405 freeway. Some of you know where that is. In West LA, kind of UCLA is in one direction, Bel Air, Brentwood, right? You get off, you go in different different directions. I remember thinking this for a second. 
you know, when people get off the freeway and they're giving to the to the homeless people right off the freeway, it's all about washing your sins away. Right? It's about atonement for your guilt of having a refrigerator full of food and clothes and a nice warm bed. So what you do is you give a 20 or 40 or even a $100 bill to these people. And when you do that, what do you end up with? Well, you end up feeling good. It's a little bit of a mini high. That's it. I feel great. You check that box. You can go home, play with your kids, not worry about, you know, I kind of did something for the homeless situation, at least for that, at least for that starfish. That starfish has a life, right? Who was that? Uh, one of the poems that, why are you doing that? It doesn't make a difference in the world. Well, yes, it did for that starfish, right? So you put yourself in the beach walker. You call that homeless guy a starfish and you give him a, a, a dollar or a hundred dollars. To you, it's the same financial impact. To him or her, it's life-changing. But what happens is this. You start walking through life and you start thinking to yourself, why is it that there's this ongoing humming? Why is it that, that this, this thing that keeps on coming along in life, right? This, this undercurrent of guilt and shame. Why is it that you feel like you're, you're not making a difference because I think you bought into the symbolism over substance. So let me go over these. See if you can, if you feel this. Okay. Waiting period to buy a gun, 10 days to buy a gun. You want to buy a firearm in the state of California. It's 10 days and you go, Oh, that's interesting. What's the waiting period for a bad guy to get a gun? Oh, nothing. So, so if you're a good guy, you want to protect your family. Now, I don't know. I guess it's the one out of 10, one out of a million whatever numbers, depending on who you listen to, where the guy's so angry right now, I'm going to go straight to the store. I'm going to buy a firearm. And that guy's going to go out and do something criminal with it. Oh, you're, you're right. There, there might be people like that. But you tell me what the difference is from him waiting outside their home and running him over with this car or hitting him with the baseball bat or, or, or stabbing somebody with some uh, $1,000 kitchen knives. Right or, or or seven dollar switchblade that you can buy at the local local store liquor store. Well, maybe it's not completely a switchblade because of course those are illegal, but you can get pretty darn close. Maybe it's ten dollars now inflation. Thank you, Biden. Meaning to protect your family, you have to wait. The other guys don't have to. Symbolism over substance. Everybody checks the box. They feel good. They go home. They say, "Oh, look at the difference we made." When I talk about masks wearing, you understand at restaurants, right? The guy walks by you to get to his table. He has to wear a mask, but you don't have to. Did, did you not see how stupid that is? I, I mean, you, you guys are like these these lemmings. Oh, yeah, but it's better to be safe. Better be, better be, be safe than sorry. I'm like, are you kidding me? Why don't you lock yourself in a room and put padded padded walls up? Get pizza under the door. The toppings may not fit, but darn it, you're going to have a great piece of bread. And yeah, come on, what is this? Better to be what logic, people, right? Or or you go to a remember last year the Oscars were or the, the and the Emmys. What did you have? You had all the movie stars in their five thousand dollar, twenty thousand dollar outfits with their gold necklaces and silver diamonds. I mean, you just name it, and the, the servants wearing all black and a black mask. Because we want to be safe. But the celebrities didn't wear anything. 
So, so you guys have to go through this symbolism over substance. How does this impact you? Well, listen, I don't ever watch the Emmys. I watched the part where Will Smith, you know, hit him, uh, hit Chris Rock. I'm trying to start a meme, so you're going to hear it here first. I already, I already put it out on social media. Said, I, I love you so much that I would slap Chris Rock for you. I made that up. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know if that's, if I'm the first guy or, or not. I, I don't, look, if, if somebody made fun of your wife, this, serious note for a minute, right? If somebody made fun of your wife who, who had a double mastectomy and made a joke about that, about her appearance, or somebody in the middle of cancer treatment and made a joke about them losing their hair. I mean, wouldn't you, um, I, don't, I don't know if you'd get up in the middle of national TV or na- international TV and slap them, but I have a feeling you'd have some words and probably physical, at least if you're, if you're young slash strong enough to, to do it, right? Most men of old days would not let uh, somebody make fun of their, now listen, if you are making fun of the role that they played or the outfit that they wore in the role, Right. Or, or if I'm public about some of the things that I do and uh, like they're whatever they call it, uh, sharing of spouses or, you know, open marriage, I guess they call it. Right. If you're public about that and they want to. Sh- OK, fine. Joke about it. But man, there's just something about that. I'm not I'm not saying he did something right. Uh, I'm just saying that there's probably not a man that I know, at least not one that I would hang out with. That wouldn't have done that. Privately, publicly, certainly everybody I know would would want to to do that. Whether or not they had the courage in today's world to do it, I don't know. But I can tell you, it, it it's not right. But so, what do you do? Well, you see, those those shows don't affect you. They don't affect your retirement. They don't affect your life. But here's where they do. When suddenly this stuff is taken into the next next realm. Right, where you go into a restaurant to get a straw and you have to have two or three paper straws. Remember, straws are moved by weight, right? When they're moved by weight, I'm sorry, they're, they're moved by volume, not by weight, right? When they're moved by volume, a box of straws is the size of a box of straws. Meaning I can't, because it's lighter, put four boxes in place of one, which means more fuel, more wages, more environmental mess between the trucks driving and, and taking things, forklifts going and back and forth, driving things back and forth from the warehouse, uh, the distribution of these items. And, and they think they're going to save something because in the Philippines and in China, where they don't use paper straws, it's going to save a turtle because of all their stuff that they, that they put into the sea. I, I get it. I've seen some pollution in the ocean in Beirut when, when we were there visiting a few years ago. It was unbelievable. I've never seen that much pollution in any one place. And they had a huge millions of people from the Syrian civil war. Huge, huge refugees. Yeah. Yeah, it was horrible. But you can't blame plastic straws. You blame human behavior. You say, hey, buddy, don't don't throw the food in the sea. Uh, uh, Put it in the trash. Remember, people used to do that. I, I shared that with you, I think, on the last show. People would drive down the highway and they'd throw out the big bag of trash out the window, right? Smokey the Bear would come. There'd be signs everywhere. Now it's very difficult to find that kind of litter. You can find it, but it's not the same. Usually you find it by homeless encampments, right? Symbolism over substance. Oh, well, we're helping the homeless. Look at what they're doing to the environment. 
Look at how much they're ruining the soft, gentle, fragile desert environment on the Sonoran Desert all across the border. And yet, what do you have? You have homeless people across the board uh, and illegal aliens across the board living in these encampments, moving, creating, building, all sorts of things, up to and including, well, I don't know, the population being just destroying the environment. Okay, back up, Eric. Eric, if I get it, what does this have to do with my, what, what do they say, is the price of tea in China? Here's where it is. Who do you think is going to clean that up? Right, it's going to be a company that is uh, part of the the left friends with the mayor, city council. They're going to come in and they're going to finally clean it up. And when they do, guess who's going to pay that bill? $600 million, $40 million. I mean, it's going to be something huge because here's my problem. When you have symbolism over substance, when you hire people to do jobs, it's going to cost money. You see, the diversity uh, game that they're playing when they say, I'm going to have a black female as the Supreme Court justice. Wouldn't you be embarrassed? I had somebody the other day, a minority, a minority female uh, to be exact, came to me the other day. We were talking about different things. And she said, uh, she said, Eric, you know how embarrassed I would be if I was that Supreme Court justice? I said, what do you mean? She said, everybody forever in the history of time is going to look at her and not think she was ever qualified enough. And that she's only there because of her race and gender. And I said, well, I've been saying that for years when I was on the police department and they would promote people over me and certainly over many others that were more qualified than me because they needed to check a box, whatever the box was, whether it was black or Hispanic or female or Asian or, or gay. I mean, there was all these boxes. And, and you ask yourself, wouldn't, wouldn't you want to be the person in that role that says, I'm here because I'm the best? And you know the way it used to be, a friend, of, a friend and family member by marriage is African-American and said something pretty important to me. He said, Eric, we always had to work harder. But you know what? When we got in those roles, nobody questioned it. And this is a conservative guy. He said, nobody questioned that we, demand, that we belonged in that role. We didn't run around becoming become this victim. We became somebody who was pretty important to the organization or the team that we were part of. So, so be very clear, it's different today. The people today that are in those roles are always going to have a little check mark, mark uh, by their box, right? They're going to always have that little tiny, mm, maybe so, well, I'm sure they're good people, right? You're always, I'm, I'm good people, good people, yeah, good people. But, but, you know, listen, when it comes to doing the job, uh, I'm, sure they're, I'm sure that, listen, they wouldn't be there if they weren't qualified. Oh, really? Have you seen the city of Los Angeles? How many city of Los Angeles, just take a look and ask yourself, in the city of Los Angeles, how many minorities are there? In the city of Los Angeles, how many are employed by the city? See if that is representative of the community. You can ask people across the board, right? If you have a, a conservative male or female minority, they will tell you, why do I want to be lumped in and have to always try to prove myself going upwards? It's just not right for those people. You know, I told you I hate the word fair, right? I told you the, the quote, fair word is not my friend. I don't like it. It's just not right to have that person forever be 
tagged with a line that says, oh, I'm the Supreme Court justice because before Biden was elected, he made this promise that no matter what he would nominate, there, there was a lot of ways he could have done it and still ended up with the best qualified person. And you know what? If it's her, then great. I, I don't know enough about that stuff. I, I don't know if she's qualified or not. Symbolism over substance. She's now going to be passing rules and laws. What, based on her gender? Based on her race first? Is there something somewhere in there that's going to require her after they chased out poor Briar? <laughs> poor Briar. You know, kind of bum rushed out the door. Hey, wait, but I'm not done. Oh, yeah, 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 you are. Come on, come on, come on, come on. Grab your stuff. Grab. But that's my coat. Don't worry, we'll send it to you. We'll mail it to you. Keep going. <laughs> they grab him by the collar, bum rush him out the front door. Briar's like, okay, but I'm not done. Well, actually, it wasn't the front door. It was a cliff. <laughs> well, symbolism over substance. What is happening? Who do you think pays? You ready for this? Who do you think pays for those subsidies on the solar power and electric cars? Everybody. Well, unless you have an exemption and some of you come to my office. Oh, Arif, I make just enough to not pay anything in health insurance. I make just enough to get a discount on my, on my property tax. I make just enough. I pay no income. Some of you pay zero income tax. I'm not saying that's a bad thing. I think it's a goal. All of us should, should be shooting for that, right? Zero income tax. Why don't we do that? But you realize when the government's giving away money with the right hand and not taking it from you with the left, they have to take more from the other guy, right? And they do this in a manner that doesn't always make it right. Because you know, my rule, don't say the F word. Right, Electric cars. This is so fun. They use coal. They can't transmit uh, electricity, by the way, a long ways. I don't know if you know that. That's why they have to have these little power stations everywhere. Gas, once it's in a, a gas tank, the energy is already stored. Electricity has to keep moving. You can't store electricity very efficiently. That's what batteries are for. So the amount of toxic material inside of an electric car battery still to this day, has yet to have a solution. At least with nuclear energy, which is extremely green, extremely efficient, except for what uh, Jane Fonda and some of her ilk who decided to protest, that's it, it's over. They branded nuclear energy as a bad thing. So some of Europe is building uh, nuclear power plants and others are decommissioning them as we speak. And yet it's the most efficient, cleanest way and the amount of waste product is the size of a, you know, one of your, the coolers you take to the beach. And that's enough to go, what, 20 or 25 years? Very long time. The amount of waste product to give the same energy in electric vehicles or solar energy, the waste product is the size, ready for this, of a football stadium. Yeah, you understand that? To the top, filled to the top toxic waste that has to go somewhere. So the government says, we're going to give you money. We're going to give you discounts. We're going to subsidize. If you buy this electric, somebody has to pay for it. The poor guy that doesn't pay any income tax. Remember him? Remember her? And it's some of you. I'm not saying, again, you're bad. I think we all should strive for that. But if you're not paying income tax, if the other side of the government, the state government, is giving away subsidies, well, air if the oil subsidies for the oil industry is creating, 
look, we would not have a society if it wasn't for the oil industry. Now, I'm not saying subsidies are right or wrong. I don't know how much they're giving. It doesn't matter to me right now. What matters to me is when I flip a switch, it works. When it matters to me, my kids aren't going to have a third eyeball by the time they're 29 years old. Right? What matters to me is that these, the toxic waste, we, ha- we have a solution before we create the problem. And nobody is finding a solution yet. So what are they doing? Well, everybody just give, give me my money. Give me free money. Give me my solar. And then you, you rent your house to the DWP for free. The Los Angeles Department of Water and Power. You give them that for free. Your house is now a power plant that you have to pay for. You have to maintain. They get the electricity for virtual free. And now what, what do you do at the end of the story? Well, at the end of the story, they say, oh, well, sorry, we raised our rates. You now have to pay extra. Like, what do you mean I have to pay extra? Oh, yeah, yeah, you have to pay you have to pay a little bit of an extra you know, bump there. You're like, but what about, uh, nope, sorry. But didn't you say you were giving me a, di- nope, discount? No, no, uh-uh. So you spent some of your retirement money saying, well, at least my house is paid off and I have free electricity for life. Not really. What can you do? Well, I don't know. Uh, every uh, electric company's procedure, I just know one of them, and that is you can disconnect from the grid. You might need, let's say if you have a a 2,000 square foot house, maybe you'll need two or three batteries. Maybe you get one extra. And during the good days in Southern California, you can charge all those batteries up. At night, you're going to use them a little bit. And you literally disconnect from the grid. The solar comes in, fills up your battery. When you save up your money, you want to save up, save up, you buy another battery. So now you have four or five. Even if your house only needed two. Well, you have enough electricity. When you're on vacation, guess what? It's filling up all of the batteries. Do they have a use for those batteries after you uh, are done with them? No, they don't. But if you're a believer, if you think this is the right way to go, if you think the symbolism over substance, the batteries for your retirement account are going to be, well, at least I don't have an electric payment. At least I don't have to worry about the grid or something shutting down or an earthquake or some emergency. I'm, I'm okay with those things. You just follow through. You know that you are have one of the most toxic things going in, in your garage or, or side of your house and on the roof, wherever, in your car. And then from there, you decide. You know, where's my intellectual integrity? Where, where's the line? For a lot of us, you have situational ethics. I get it. We make decisions. We have to make decisions all the time on on two right answers, one is better. Two wrong answers, one is better than the other, right? Sometimes the wrong answer, well, there's two wrong answers. And you have to really pick the best of the two. So if you think the environment is at great risk from coal-fired plants, then don't use electricity. The Los Angeles Department of Water and Power is shutting down its Insta, Insta-Start national, uh, natural gas Generators. They have natural gas generators, which is such an inexpensive and very, very clean. Much cleaner than any of these batteries uh, and, and solar panels. It comes in, they flip a switch, it's instant electricity within a minute into the grid. When there's a brownout, when there's issues of, of power outages, they can fix it in no time. I think there are three of them. They've already torn apart one. These are nearly brand new machines. You paid for them. 
as water and power taxpayers. And now they're shutting them down. Why? Because it's natural gas. We want more wind and, and sun. Great. How are you going to dispose of those? So these are important things because I want you to know that the symbolism over substance is everywhere. Look at the Prop 65, Proposition 65 signs, right? They scared the daylights out of everybody that said, well, you know, if you don't have any notification that there's chemicals known to the state of California to cause cancer. So guess what they do? They put those signs everywhere, right? From gas stations to baby shops, to restaurants, to clothing stores, to shopping malls. If they put them everywhere, then they mean nothing, right? Proposition 65, there's chemicals known to the state of California, and you guys bought it. You signed off on it. Well, now that you're retired, I want you to think. When we come back, we're going to talk about some things you can do. How do you make a difference with some of these crazy, crazy rules? I'm Arif Halaby, 888-99-RETIRE. We'll be right back. Learn from Arif Halaby. Learn about financial power, the total financial hour. Now Arif has a plan for me, higher income strategy. I'll retire comfortably, thanks to Arif Halaby. Now every dollar's got a job to do. Arif makes your money work for you. Learn about financial power, the total financial hour. Learn about financial Financial security will help you live the life you dream. Learn about financial power, the total financial hour. Now higher income strategy. Learn from Arab Halabi. Hey, welcome back to the show. Thanks for being with me. Talking about your family's finances, getting out of debt, planning for your future. Let me give you the uh, email address because we do answer emails uh, sometimes in person, or, you know, directly rather, and sometimes on the show. Uh, it's Arif, A-R-I-F, at TFSWealth.com. Stands for Total Financial Solutions. So TFSWealth, TFSWealth.com. Arif, A-R-I-F, at TFSWealth.com. You can always give us a call as well, 888-99-RETIRE. That might be easier. 888-99-RETIRE. We'll help you kind of, um, we can uh, walk you through that email address a little easier. All right. So I wanted to go over a lot of these social changes, these symbolism over substance that the left is pushing. They have financial consequences, certainly higher taxes. That's across the board. My concern is this. As a retiree, either you have to settle for a very lower, uh, low income where you're managing your money and how you're receiving your income up to the next tax bracket, right? Maybe let's say you're making 50000 a year, pay very little in income taxes, at least 50000 that's taxable. Well, in the state of California, you may not pay any income tax at that at that bracket. So you might say, well, you know, some of these social things are a pain in the butt, but I'm not going to worry about it. Uh, they're, they're more important to 
you know, stand up for other issues. I'm okay with you. No matter what, I just want you to stand up. I want you to take something and push hard on it, whatever it is. If you have an issue that you don't like, uh, you know, the way they're treating uh, school teachers, all right, then you, you get up, you stand up, you go to the school board meetings, you talk about freedom is the better choice. You stand up and you say you're not supposed to socially indoctrinate our kids. You have the time if you're retired. You're supposed to do this. Even if you're not paying income tax on those those dollars, you might look around and say, well, even though I'm not paying income tax, those people are paying more. The business owner is paying more. So guess what he has to do to his prices? Guess what she has to do to her cost for services? That's right. If your CPA has to pay uh, higher wages, she's going to end up charging, guess what, you more money. So all of this comes flowing down the end to where ultimately you have to make a decision. Stand up and fight. I know you thought, just like the folks in Ukraine six months ago, they thought, this summer I can't wait for the winter to go away. I'm going to be going to the sea. I'm going to be going swimming. I have bike riding on my schedule. I'm going to have sports. I can't wait to do this. And instead, you have everybody, just like in World War II, from attorneys to to doctors, to construction, to garbage collection. Everybody has got a helmet on and a gun, and they're doing something. Front lines, back lines, logistics, sabotage. These were normal people that had a normal life. They looked like you and I. They ran, they jumped, they had family, they, they had birthdays, they were mad at their cousin. All of the stuff that normal people have, and now they're in the fight for the survival of their nation, and thankfully... They're doing well. We'll see how well. We'll see how long the good news holds. But I can tell you the bombs that come in have no no agenda, no agenda. They, they just, it's a horrible scenario. You have to look at this and say to yourself, wait a second. How quickly could that happen? You see, you, I think you're still living in a zone of this could never happen here. Maybe, maybe not in our lifetime. Or maybe it could. You see, Ukraine might have danced with the devil for a long time, and so this is expected. But I also think they had normal lives. Well, I want you to get involved at an early age. School board meetings are so important because this is where the wackies live, right? Some of them are on school boards. Some of them are in your classrooms. I know because, look, I love all of them. They don't listen to the show because they don't listen to the station. But some of them are wackier than a $3 bill, these people. They're clients. They come in. I mean, we'll handle their finances. But let me tell you, they, they, they are, their views should not be distributed amongst young people. Let's put it that way. And who do you think is going to say anything about it? Right? What about Disney? Who's going to say anything about it? Try to lift your head up and say something as an executive VP of whatever, you'll, you'll get smashed, lose your career, right? When Disney laid off people in the middle of, of coronavirus, they named, laid off a, a few of our clients, three of them. All of them were conservative. All of them were up in, in upper management. And believe it or not, their severance was five, six, seven hundred thousand $700,000. Can you imagine a severance for that? To say, and don't come back to work. We're going to pay you. Like, excuse me? Yep, we're going to pay you. Don't come back to work. Okay. Now, I don't know if they were all three conservatives by accident or not. And it certainly probably wasn't the only ones they let let go. But if you're going to pay somebody five or $600,000 to never see them again, you either really have to hate them <laughs> or or just to have a lot of money and don't care. So I want you to sit on these school boards. I need you to come together. 
uh, the second hour, uh, at the top of the hour, I have some some questions from clients, two of them actually, I think I pulled this time, two emails. Uh, uh, you need to you need to listen to them because the the answers, the solutions that I have for them are really important to make a difference in your life. Because here's what happens. The next lie that's coming down, remember it was racist. Every, everybody's a racist, racist. And if you don't think you're a racist, it means you're a bigger racist. And I told you that a couple of years ago. Listen, that line is going to get overused and the real racists are going to disappear into the woodwork because they're calling everybody a racist. So just like my Proposition 65 signs, when they're everywhere, they mean nothing. When you call everyone a racist, it means nothing. So they switch to white supremacy. And everybody's a white supremacist. Now white supremacist. Oh, white supremacist. You mean like like swastikas and, and crosses on their forehead in gray? Yeah, you mean those people with the flags and the motorcycles? Oh, they're everywhere. And then Larry Elder runs for governor as a conservative. And they say, oh, well, there's, there's the new face of white supremacy. Are you kidding me? How can, how can a newspaper, it was the Times, if I'm not mistaken, how can they publish that and not have an editor... Or, or the, the a publisher, some somebody come downstairs or, and say, who wrote this baloney? Uh, you 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 are so blinded by your, your your crazy left wing ideology. I mean, I get it. We're all that way. They say, yeah, yeah, yeah. But this this uh, we got to see whose name that is, so I can use his name, punish him. Everybody knows that he's full of baloney, and nobody wanted to say it because they were afraid. Larry Elder, the black face of white supremacy. So dumb. I know I'm paraphrasing. I'll get the I'll get the exact quote. So when they move through this world, I'm telling you the next thing that they have going on is what? The water. The water shortage, right? They've already overrun for the last 25 years. They've taken over energy. That's why you have windmills all up and down the 14 freeway. Windmills all up and down the 10 freeway heading out, Palm Springs. They generate such a single-digit fraction of, of uh, electricity. But here's the most exciting thing. Ready? All the birds that migrate take those same channels, right? Between the mountains, the greatest ones, because, listen, between those two hills and those mountain ranges and on and on, boy, this is exactly where the wind comes through. Well, great. The migratory birds, yeah, they get shredded to pieces through those things. I know it's gross to listen to this and while you're having lunch, breakfast or lunch, but it's exactly what happens. Symbolism over substance. We're going to put windmills everywhere except the migratory birds that those patterns, right? The yeah, sorry about that. Sorry about that. Because you can't put them in a place where the birds don't fly because there's no wind. I mean, you get it? It it it's a horrible thing. So I think they've, they've handled electricity, right? They, they seem to have, but what about water? If we can turn that faucet on and off, so they need a bad guy. So right now they're running around and they're trying to find a bad guy in water. And, and really, I think they might've found it. It's agriculture. So instead of talking about the family farm or agriculture, and maybe they don't exist as much as they used to. Now, guess what kind of bad guy it's going to be? Big business, big pharma, big agra agribusiness, right? You'll hear all sorts of terms. And, and listen, maybe they are bad guys. I, I saw a video recently, a, 
I think it was on Netflix or Prime Video, one of those. And you know what it talked about? Mm. This brokering of a water deal for the Central Valley and how it's owned by such a small group. Oh, wow. They sounded very nefarious. At the end of the story, man, I was like, oh, these, these are bad guys. So maybe they really are bad guys. I don't know. But they have to have a bad guy. And it's going to be big business so that they can now control your water. You see, we don't have a water shortage. You realize we have the same amount of water on Earth as we've ever had. You understand that? All you have to do is go to the Great Lakes. All you have to do is go to the Willamette River up in uh, Oregon. Columbia River up in Washington State. The Snake River goes through many, many states. Look at the Flaming Gorge up at the Wyoming, Colorado, Utah border. Yeah, yeah there's plenty of water. Hmm. So, okay, if there's water there and we don't have it here, what's our problem? Because remember, if they're saying that we have a water shortage, but it's over there, maybe we have a transportation and storage problem. Aha! There's the problem. You see, we, because we have the same amount of water and we go out to the ocean, the water is everywhere. But air, if it's fresh water, okay, I got it. So now the problem is we don't have enough fresh water. All right, but we do over there. Up, up north, east, west. Okay, so we do have it. Okay, so now, huh, maybe the problem is freshwater pipelines. Maybe dams up and down the LA River. Did you see the recent rains? How many trillions? Yeah, with a T, trillions of gallons of water that, quote, these experts let wash out to sea. Do, do you not realize that was enough to to, to give water for all of Los Angeles, the city of Los Angeles, they some say for over a month, we let wash out to sea in 24, 48 hours. You see, when you're solving the wrong problem, you're going to always have the wrong solution. Solve the wrong problem, have the wrong solution. What's the problem? Storage and transportation of fresh water. So instead of this wacky high-speed pipeline that benefits the few elites... Uh, I, I said high-speed pipeline. High-speed rail service. You see where I'm going? Let's have a pipeline. Let's have a freshwater pipeline, just like the aqueduct. Right, But run it out to sea 20 miles. I don't know the answer. 15 miles, 20 miles. Senator, or sorry, Congressman C, Steve Knight, former uh, congressman for uh, district in, in Simi, Santa Clarita, and, and uh, Lancaster area, Antelope Valley, he came to me with this idea many years ago, and he admitted that it wasn't his idea. It was somebody else's idea. And he said, Arif, I don't care who gets credit for it, but this is something he's pushing. Now, he pushed it. Uh, uh, Governor Brown, Democrat, nope, nope. We need to cut back. So you see, our problem is the environmental rules on storage. We have plenty of mountains up and down the San Gabriel Mountains, up and down uh, the state of California, where you can store uh, water, right? You you get a geology team out there. You figure out where the best places are to put dams, to store water, to have reservoirs. We already have them. The problem is we didn't build any new ones, and yet the population has grown. So you see, our problem is not fresh water. It's simple. It's the storage and transportation of the fresh water. Because by default, you guys are telling us that the, oh my gosh, ready for this? The polar ice caps, north and south, 
the size of the state of Rhode Island. I love it. Poor Rhode Island gets compared to everything. Yeah, the size of Rhode Island is falling off and this iceberg is floating and it's melting into the sea. Okay. Well, I remember taking eighth grade science. And I remember that if water is diluted, in other words, there's a lot of salt and minerals, but now you put more fresh water per billion, per million, billions, there's just less minerals in a glass of water. Well, Eric, you still can't drink it. I get it. I've been out in the sea. But isn't it easier to desalinate water that has a lot more fresh water in it now because of all the polar ice caps? You told me that they were melting. Can't you desal, right? It's called desal. That's what we that's what we call it in the business. The business. Desal. Can't you desal the water? All throughout the Middle East, Saudi Arabia, Kuwait, Israel. They all use desalinization plants. But Arif, it costs a lot. Ooh, oh, it does. Oh, tell me about it. What, is it, what, what do you mean it costs a lot? Well, you know, Arif, uh, electricity, it's very, 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 very expensive. Well, I'll tell you what. Tell the Department of Water and Power to not decommission those three insta-start gas, natural gas generators. We already paid for them. And now you're paying for somebody to tear them apart. When you create that desalinization plant, guess what? You can use those three plants at a discounted rate. Boy, they're already built. Nobody needs to build them. And because electricity runs in a circle and anybody in that circle can add electricity to the, to the grid, the Department of Water and Power could make a killing more than they already make. I mean, you understand that, right? The secretary makes 90 grand a year. She's happy. Well, 100,000 a year, actually. She could make 150,000 a year, that secretary with the GED. She, she doesn't. I'm not talking about the line worker. I mean, we could pay her a lot more money because you, Water and Power, could create more electricity on the grid for a desalinization plant. You do a public-private partnership. You say, I tell you what, uh, at the same time, we're going to be building dams over in those mountains, right? Over there, we're going to do a check on the soil and the dirt, and we're going to make sure it's the best and computers and drones, and we've got the, we have the technology. We have those people working on that. We have people working down. On, oh, wait, wait, wait. The environmentalists, what'd they say? A frog? Oh, yeah. Three species and 17 frogs are going to disappear. I'm so sorry. Sorry, I, last I checked, my grandkids are a bit more important than a frog. I want you guys to check the statistics. These same environmentalists that tell me how many species disappear every day on the earth? Every week, every month. They have a number. I want you to check how many species are available on earth. And then do the math backwards. And they'll tell you by eight months, we should all have, have every single species known to man is gone based on their numbers. Because this many millions per day or 100,000 or 2,700 per week or whatever the number is, divide that back into that big number. Remember, basic math. And it will tell you how many species are actually going to disappear on this planet. And then when they give you that argument that building a pipeline through the mountains, through the desert, underground, out to sea, whatever, coming down from Oregon and Washington, where the water is going out to sea anyway, you're just going to get it just before it does. And even if it's slightly salty, guess what? You can desal that when it lands back on shore. 
And Congressman Steve Knight said it very clearly. Bring one pipeline up into San Jose and one down into the Los Angeles area. That's enough to give the entire state of California, fill up its reservoirs, and create a water system. And guess what? If it leaks when it's out at the ocean, it leaks water into water. (laughs) Brilliant. And the amount of jobs. Oh, my gosh. And you have a public-private partnership. Somebody's going to charge for the water. It's going to be so inexpensive, right? Just like the Tennessee Valley Authority, TVA. Right in the Tennessee Valley, the, the, the electricity during the Depression created water and electricity for free, virtually for free these days. It's been paid for over and over again. Businesses, big businesses, are the ones that are paying for it today. So you end up with a system where if it leaks water, it leaks into the ocean. It creates jobs. Maybe it's down, the pipeline's down, I don't know, 20 feet, 50 feet. Maybe you run it out the desert. Guess what? Maybe you'll do both. Run one through the Mojave Desert, right? These guys can build these trenches in no time. They have these huge machines. They run eight, 10 foot pipelines. You run them underground and you're digging a hole at the same time you're filling it. That's how big the machine is. And it's being filled by the backside. It's being connected. You have men and women working. They're doing miles of this pipeline every single day. Pipeline set up. Oh, but you're going to hit the habitat of the, of the brown tortoise. Great. It'll be covered up. Give them a little you know, vacation. Tell the tortoise, go, you know, go to the west side. We'll be digging a hole here. Come back tomorrow. The hole's filled. I mean, you understand the silliness of this, right? I'm all about the environment, right? It's pretty important to me, but not more important than people, right? The environment is important. If it's important to you, why do you let the homeless people trash the sides of freeways? Why do you let uh, illegal aliens across the border dump their trash in the very, very sensitive deserts? That, that you can do any kind of research and it will tell you it's a habitat that is very uh, sensitive and fragile. Well, will you let people come across and destroy it? So why don't we support people the right way? Well, how, how are we going to do that? Eric, what is it? Listen, some of you are retired engineers or planners. You could sit on the water boards. You could have petitions signed. You don't have to do it every day, Monday, Wednesday, Friday. This week, it's the recall Gascon vote. Next week, it's the let's build a water pipeline vote. Right? Maybe your job is to make a difference in the world and not just be a consumer of stuff when you retire. I don't mind golf three days a week. Okay, I got that. Travel two months a year, fine. See your grandkids, got it, I like it. But maybe the rest is to sit somewhere on a board or to to create a, a financial environment for your kids or grandkids so that no matter what, they see you and they say, that's a, that's a grandmother that made a difference. That's a grandfather that made a difference. They were a school teacher for this many years. They retired. And now on the other side of their retirement, they're making a difference in this world. Right? I think a lot of you don't understand that you have a lot more years left. I know subconsciously, everybody's afraid, all of us, right? You know, Joe died at, at 51. Mary died at 73. She seems so good. Okay, yes, that happens. 
It happens to a lot of people where they pass at a young age. So why don't you just work out, do as best you can, exercise, watch what you eat, and make a difference? Because somebody is going to, ready for this? Somebody's going to make a difference. It's either going to be a good difference or a bad difference, and you're going to be on the tail end of that. You're going to be the the, uh, recipient of it. So what do you do? I want your income to come from multiple sources. I don't want you to have a person. I don't want you to be a person who counts on one company for your pension or one company for your retirement account. If you want to do fixed or fixed indexed annuities, that's our specialty because they have guaranteed incomes. They have uh, reasonable rates of return. You have protections of the principal. If that's what you want for some or part of your money in this crazy market world, then I'm okay with that. But I don't think you should put it all in one product, right? If that is your only source of income, maybe you spread it out into two or three, right? You wouldn't have an apartment building. We had a client who had three apartment buildings on Reseda Boulevard during the middle of the earthquake. Guess what happened to all of his apartments? He went from an immigrant to, to the United States. He was from India, had a great life, you know, built himself from nothing into something. And when I met him, he forgot the whole thing called earthquake insurance and ended up living with his, his daughter in a spare bedroom. He went from a multimillionaire to nothing because he had all of his eggs in one basket and he didn't have it protected. So if you want to have all of your income coming from one source, then at least have it insured and protected. Right? You can do that. I prefer, oh, we got a little social security here. We have a little pension there. We have a little rental property here. We have some stocks, bonds, mutual funds there. Maybe some CDs over here. Maybe a fixed annuity there. Maybe a fixed indexed annuity here. So you have three, four, five sources of income so that when you go to stand up for something that you believe in, nobody can say, oh yeah, well, we're going to kick you out of this bank. Right? You've seen that. Bank of America and Chase and Wells Fargo. They're socially isolating and eliminating people that don't agree with them. And well, well that, if that happens to some of your income, you have other sources of income because you want to be able to stand up. Stand up and fight for what you believe in. Stand up and make a difference. And multiple sources of income is one way that you can do it because then you're not worried about what other people think. They can't shut you down like Disney shuts down its employees. You can have that freedom. I'm Eric Hallaby. Let me give you the number one more time. 888-99-RETIRE. 888-997-3847. 888-99-RETIRE. Stay tuned because we have emails that I'm going to answer. I have two today. Arif at tfswealth.com. Send me an email. I'll answer it to, uh, either uh, directly or sometimes right here on the air. Stay with me. We'll be right back. Arif Halby at the Total Financial Hour. Now Arif has a plan for me. Higher income strategy. I'll retire comfortably. Thanks to Arif Financial security will help you live the life you dream. Learn about financial power, the total financial hour. Now higher income strategy, learn from Arab Halaby. Hey, welcome to the show. Thanks for being here. Still get a lot of flack for that song. I like it. Let me know what you think. Go to Arif at TFSWealth.com. Should I go back to Aretha Franklin's Think? 
I don't know. That was our theme song for many years until uh, we had a, a friend and client write this and, and produce it. I think it's good. I don't know. Your thoughts. <laughs> All right. A couple of things I wanted to go over with you. My goal in life was to always know a little bit about a lot of things and then to be an expert in one or two things. Very important. So over the years, right, in my 54 years of life, I've created some, some home safety tips, both as a policeman when I would work on the job, but then also with, when you'd respond to calls as a, with the fire department, and some of them were really great guys and gals that would share things with me. So I wanted to share some of those with you before I get into my emails. They're just home safety tips. Remember, totally random things every once in a while. That's why you listen to the show, because you never know what it's going to be about. So I want to bring you some home safety tips. I think these are important. Because I went through both the earthquakes and the riots uh, when I was on the police department. Important you know these things because that's the perspective. All right. I want each of you, especially if it's husband and wife, but even if it's just you, underneath your bed to have a pair of shoes that are hard-soled shoes. Okay. Now you need to ask the question, why? Error, if I keep my shoes in the closet or you know over there... I don't want anything under my bed. Yes, I want you to keep a pair of hard shoes under your bed. Because if there's an earthquake and there's broken glass and debris, and I'm assuming you don't sleep with your shoes on, you're going to need to put shoes on to get out of the house. You're going to need to put, and maybe it's difficult to get to those. Even if you go from your bedroom over to the closet, the amount of glass and debris, well, it's going to be difficult, right? So I want you to have shoes by your bed uh, in case of uh, an earthquake, just hard-soled shoes. Tennis shoes would be fine. Second, and this is what my wife and I did uh, our entire life with our kids when they were little, because their bedrooms were, of course, down the hall. We each had a fire extinguisher under our bed, because if there was a fire in the house, we needed to get to the kid's bedroom. And it's, it, I've been to too many calls where we assisted the fire department, and you would see that the parents either died trying to save their kids, uh, or they just couldn't get to the bedrooms, they couldn't get to the kids. Uh, so... I want a, a fire extinguisher under each of your beds. I don't mean the cheapy ones that you buy at the store that are plastic. If it has a plastic handle, then it's no good. I want the same that you see in parking garages or industrial buildings. And you can buy them. I guess today it might be $100 or something. And you got to get them filled every so often. So you do that. Okay, that might be $50. But you get them filled. You have them under your bed. You rotate them. You hit the sides a little bit. Ask the guy or the gals who sell them to you. Uh, they'll tell you how to maintain them but under each of your beds so that if you have to get out of your house between the bedroom and the front door, wherever you've got to leave, or to get to the kids' bedrooms, you can get there with the fire extinguisher. Of course, that means smoke detectors everywhere, right? That's, that's simple. Um, this is important as well. I want you to have a ladder if you have a second story in your house. It's one of those folding ladders. It's not designed to be perfect. I would even want you to practice at least once. Put it in. You can go all the way down to the floor. It's designed for emergencies because some windows, it's easier to use that than others. Some, you're going to end up in the backyard with a gate that's locked and you can't get around. So you, have, you want it to be in the front yard, for example. So you need to make sure that the window that you use for that ladder is appropriate. And when I talk about, I'll, I'll give you one or two more here. When I talk about having sticks on your windows, right? All my kids at their, their apartments, their houses, they have to have a stick at the window because this is key. Uh, what bad guys do, including bathrooms, small bathroom windows is usually uh, private. It's off in the corner in the backyard behind a bush or something. So that's how these guys will get into your house because it's, it's less obvious. So they get in through those small windows. It's easy to pop those up, especially for those of you with those old aluminum windows, the single pane aluminum windows. 
Anybody can lift those up out of the track. Even, ready for this, the sliding glass doors. How many times we would go in Granada Hills or, or West LA over in, you know, off of Chevy Chase, we would get some of the older homes with the single pane aluminum windows. You could pop those right out of the, right out of the, uh, the track. So I want a, a, some sort of a, of a bolt that locks that down and also a wooden dowel in the, I mean, the simple stuff, right? Your parents probably tell you that, but burglars can easily pop those open. Okay. Last thing. I think this is important. I want you to have duct tape. Keep it in your purse, your backpack, in your glove box. And you can wrap it around an old hotel card. I don't want it to be a credit card. I used to say credit card. I don't want it to be on a credit card anymore because it has personal information and sometimes that stuff is trackable if you lose it. But an old hotel check-in, you know, the cards that you use to get into your rooms and hotel rooms, uh, some of the gift cards that are already expended, right? Or even Starbucks that if it isn't expended, because I'm not a fan of Starbucks anymore, uh, but get one of those gift cards and then you start wrapping duct tape around it. Make sure you stay in line and it's, you don't need the entire roll, just enough to put it in your purse, your backpack, your, the, your glove box. You can use it to hem a dress, you know, hem your suit coat all the way up through uh, writing things down on a Sharpie, right? I've seen it where, oh, quick, let's label this, and you'll write it down. Give it a second so the Sharpie doesn't smear, but then it's there. And you ready for this? In emergencies, we've actually used it for cuts. And if you have a cut that's deep enough and you're going to need some sort of stitches or, or some sort of treatment, you take a strip of that, and you can use that to close the wound and cover it up temporarily just to keep the the, the, the bugs and, and the viruses and all the other, you know, dirt stuff from getting in it. So I've seen that used for wound repair as well. We've done that. Okay, so just some, some home safety tips. I always like to give you something random that might make a difference. I have probably a dozen more that I'll get over, the, over time and, and kind of tell you, tell you what it is. All right, here we go. My emails, let me give you the number again, 888-99-RETIRE. Error of Hallaby, 888-99-RETIRE. We specialize in keeping things simple, easy to understand. Right, that's kind of the goal. And to make sure you understand reasonable retirement income. Because when you're working, your food, your shelter, your clothing, your income, your expenses, they're all paid by your job. Maybe you're on a commission, so there's a slight difference up and down. Maybe you're on a fixed pay uh, with a city, county, state, where even if you work overtime, there's not a lot of overtime budget. But you know what your paycheck's going to be within reason every single month. Now, when you're getting into retirement, you're closer to retirement, you're five years from retirement, you're in retirement, you can't afford the, the volatility and the uncertainty that is currently in the market. You just can't do it. I mean, imagine if you were working at a job and you had uh, you know four kids at home and a, a spouse and, and all of a sudden they go, oh, your paycheck's $1,000 this month. Oh, next month it's 10000 Oh, this month it's $500. Uh, you'd go, excuse me, I can't budget that way. Right, maybe if you're self uh, wealthy and, and have enough money to say I can I can survive this, but for a lot of people they need predictability. That is what we do in retirement. Right, when you're 35 years old, you have decades before you're going to need the money for retirement. When you're in your 55, 60, 65, 70, we have years, sometimes months, before we need the money for retirement. So I want to make sure you understand. The goal is as we get older and closer to retirement or in retirement, a much smaller percentage of your money goes into a place where you can go up and down, where you lose it. 
We want a greater percentage in predictability. And I don't want some of these hidden fees. You would be shocked at some of the fees that we find. And I found one uh, just last week. There, they were $159,000 in his account. And his fees were $2,000 a year. $166 a month. I mean, can you imagine? Like, what do you, what do you receive for that? So be very careful of some of the fees that are associated with some of these accounts. Even if they promise you that there's some sort of reliable income. Okay, what does it cost me? All right? Okay, so here's the email. Dear Arif, my mother is almost 70 and has a little less than $1 million in various accounts, including about 600000 in an IRA. My father passed away about three years ago. With her Social Security and a small pension, she has about three, uh, sorry, about $4,000 a month in income. She has no house mortgage. She wants a little more income each month, maybe $750 to $1,000 extra per month. She was approached by her financial guy that wants her to get a reverse mortgage. I'm concerned about the pressure that she might feel having that over her head. Any ideas for the extra income needs? Okay. Let's be clear on what a reverse mortgage is. Today, they're a lot more common and they're a lot less mysterious than they were just five years ago, but they're still not right for everybody, right? So what is it? And no, no financial product is right for everybody all the time. There is a use for almost every financial product, maybe a lot, a lot fewer people, maybe a lot, a lot more people, but just realize that every financial product has a place somewhere. So what's the difference? What is a reverse mortgage? I'm going to keep it simple, but in her case, her home is paid off. And at age 70, there's a percentage of dollars based on her life expectancy of when she will pass away. So they will say, we're going to give you a certain amount of money. Let's just say she receives $1,000 a month. Okay. Maybe she'll get a lump sum, but she doesn't need it. She has almost a million dollars. But the financial professionals are paid more based on (laughs) the more money that you take out. It's just a loan, except it's a loan where the interest payments are calculated back into the, the equity in the home. So, for example, if she's being paid $1,000 a month, just extra money to live on, after the first year, it's $12,000. Oh, wait, there's some interest, so let's call it $14,000. And then next year, she has another $1,000 a month, well, plus the interest, fourteen plus the interest on the previous 14000 from the year before. So what you end up doing is you're paying interest on interest on principal on interest, and it compounds against you just like saving in a retirement account could compound for you. So now the amount of debt encumbered or held within the house is a pretty big number over time. So let's say in her case, it's the right thing to do. Well, then she can use some of that money that she has to buy a life insurance policy. And that life insurance policy could either pay off the house if she wants her kids to inherit the house, or at least her son. This is, a, this is her son. I don't know how many other kids there are. So if she says, I want my son to inherit the house, she can have a life insurance policy that pays off the loan of the money in which she's been taking out. Okay, that's one option. Another option is to just use her required minimum distribution. Because look, if she has $600,000 in an, in an IRA, very soon, in a couple of years, 
she's going to be required to pull money out of that, that our, uh, IRA. And the required minimum distribution, are you ready for this? It's right around $1,500 a month for her. That means after taxes, she can make her $1,000 a month pretty easily. So what we would do is probably use the required minimum distributions in the IRAs because they're going to slowly escalate over time because the required minimum distributions, the IRS says, that's nice that you're healthy and you're 72 years old, but we want our money. We've been waiting long enough. So here's a formula that you have to take out a minimum each and every year that is taxable. And then next year, it, there's a little bit more percentage-wise. Next year, it's a little bit more percentage-wise. So the IRS charges a graduating scale upwards of the amount of money that they want you to take out of your IRA. Well, here's where it makes a big difference. If you don't have a product that absorbs those, that, those gains, then you're going to end up in a position to where you run out of money, especially in a bad year or two. If you have your money in the stock market or in any kind of market and it goes backwards and you lose money, you still have to take out money from your IRA to pay for your required minimum distributions. Now, what that means is that you have to take out more than you would have the previous year. And here's what I mean by that. You have to sell more shares, right? In other words, today, a share is worth $10 and you have to take out $100. So you have to sell 10 shares, turn those shares into dollars, take out the dollars, the dollars are taxed, you keep a certain amount. But if the shares go down in value from $10 to $7, the IRS still says, well, we don't, that's nice that it went down, but according to last year's numbers, you're going to have to take out $100. You say, but that means I have to sell more shares. That's right. So instead of selling 10 shares, you might have to sell, let's say, 13. Take those 13 shares, turn them into dollars, get those dollars, pay your taxes which means those extra shares are no longer there to earn interest, to dividends, anything. They're gone forever. So that is the challenge with being forced to take money out of an account that can go backwards. So what I want you to do is have predictability, reliability. So I would say, look, if you have about 400,000 in non-retirement accounts, check with your CPA, but usually here's the numbers. If you have a loss in your non-retirement account or you pay fees in your non-retirement account, you can deduct those on your income taxes. But if you have losses in your IRA, you cannot deduct those on your taxes. If you have fees in your IRA, most people you can't deduct them on your taxes. But if you have a gain in your IRA, you have to pay ordinary income tax, which is the highest tax bracket. But if you have a gain in your non-retirement stock market account for a year and a day, many cases, guess what? It's called long-term capital gains. And based on her tax bracket, she would pay a lot less. Now, look, I'm going to tell you again, I'm not a CPA or tax preparer. I have to tell you those things because I'm talking to everybody. I've never met you. I don't, I don't know your particular scenario. But I do know that if you're in a position where you need to have tax advice, please get a professional. They're going to tell you the same thing I just told you. And they're going to say this. 
the money in your IRA, if you have a loss, you cannot write it off on your taxes. You just say, well, I just, I'm worth less money. So what I would do is ladder those accounts. I might take the 600000 maybe two, maybe three. I'd have to find out how much other monies they have for emergencies, et cetera. And I might say, let's do some money in a shorter-term account, some money in a medium-term account, right? Some money that, that pays income from now until five years, others that pay income from five years to the rest of your life, for example. So by using those two different accounts, you can achieve the job of what the money is designed for. Because remember, the job of the money, the, the purpose of the money, that determines the place of the money. Right? So, so if it is designed for lunch tomorrow, you've heard me say this, that's the $20 in your purse or your pocket. Got it. 20 bucks. I'm not going to complain that I'm not earning interest on it. I'm not going to complain that, it, that it's not tax deferred. Right? Uh, no, it's, it's designed for me to reach in my pocket and pull it out. So its job is immediate access now. Just like the home equity in your house, right? I talked about uh, if the job of that home, if you say my kids are taken care of, they all have wonderful financial lives, they have other monies that they're going to inherit, and the job of this house is to provide lifetime income for his mother, then you might want to consider a reverse mortgage. If the job of that house is to give lifetime income, then a reverse mortgage is a great way to do that. Is it right for everybody? Of course not. Nothing is right for everybody. But you would look, you'd analyze it, you'd say, is it, does it work? Is it, do all the, the, the fees and the costs, does it make sense? You'd have to run the numbers. And then when it does or doesn't, then, that, then you know. But there is another way to get that kind of income. Now, you, they might say, well, you don't have to start the required minimum distributions until you're age 72, so let it sit there for a couple more years. That's a good argument. Except the difference is today, taxes are at a discount. Right? And at 2026, the Trump tax cuts, they sunset. Right? They go away. And then now you have Congress that has to act the president that has to act to make those tax cuts permanent. The problem is they didn't cut the spending on the other side. So they cut the, the taxes, great. So we all had a great discount. And then between the last year of President Trump and the first year of President Biden, they made a drunken sailor look like a financial planner. Right? When they say spent like drunken sailors, both of them administrations. I would say that's one of the big mistakes. There's two big mistakes President Trump made. One is is the, the crazy debt spending in his last year of president. And two, trusting Anthony Fauci. Trusting Anthony Fauci after 10 minutes and realizing that he was about himself, it's over. I, I would have said, sir, you know, you need to retire or else. You got to go do something else. Right? The president's job is to not get in there and make health care recommendations. But it's also to take everybody's recommendations, to measure, to weigh the difference. That's where I loved his judgment. I loved his judgment because it's simple. President Trump came along, not, not Fauci, but President Trump. He came along and was very serious. He's like, look, here's the deal. We're going to weigh the difference between shutting down the U.S. economy and having a virus that is deadly, but for, for point, what was it, point zero 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 nine six, I think, of the population was going to pass away. 
right? So 100% of the people that get the vaccine are subject to whatever that is, good, bad, tested. You're the guinea pig in the story. 100% of it, you know, to prevent less than one thousandth of a percent of a death. Because we know that it's not presenting, preventing hospitalizations. We know that it's not preventing people from getting sick. But they're saying that it would have, you know, you, how do you prove a negative? More of you would have died. Okay, well, maybe so. So that's good. I'm glad that if you felt like you needed to get it, get it. Right? I got the, the flu vaccine for years. I've been getting it. I know people that won't get it. Okay, well, it's my choice. So you decide if you want to get the vaccine or not. But same idea, right? When it comes to your financial decisions, I think President Trump made a mistake on that. Because now they're going to be forced to raise taxes at record levels. Because not, there's, there's not enough people to pay the taxes. I think what they've done is they've gone out and they've made fewer people part of the tax. If you spread the taxes out to everybody in the state of California, let's be clear on this. If everybody in the state of California paid some sort of income tax, if everybody in the state of California paid some sort of health insurance premium, I don't mean $20. I mean real numbers. Then I think you got a chance of people paying attention to both things. So what do I recommend for your mom? Short-term and a medium-term account. I would ladder, which means, or stagger. It's, it's the same thing, both accounts. Part of the challenge as we go through this, this part of our life is you just don't know when you're going to pass away, right? So a reverse mortgage, you have a one-year window from the time the person leaves the house, whether they pass away or they go into an assisted living. It's a one-year window where they have to uh, make a disposition on the house the heirs or the person. So let's say your mom moves to Boca Raton, Florida. That's great. She has a one year to sell that house. The challenge we've had is where husband and wife, because you have to be age 62. So let's say the husband is 65 and the wife is 60. That happens, right? There's a, that's a normal age difference. What do, you, what do you have? Well, often the husband will say, wife, you have to quit claim your name off the house. Then we can get a reverse mortgage. Well, then he passes away and she doesn't own the house. And now we have a bunch of legal wrangling. So we've seen some shady things happen over the years with reverse mortgage guys and gals from some of the big companies. I, I think most of it is cleared up and they're reasonable folks now and their products are regulated and, and the fees are a little less. So, so a lot of the stigma that goes to reverse mortgages was well-deserved, but it's getting better. And maybe it's, it's all better. I don't know. So you just make sure you're dealing with a reputable company. You make sure mom and you read all of the paperwork. To get $1,000 a month, there's another way to do it. We can ladder those $600,000 in retirement assets. They have to be taken out anyway in the next two years. So you might as well start now because the taxes are at record lows. And they will never be this low, probably again in your mom's lifetime, maybe even in your lifetime, depending on how old you are. So we are at the record low tax brackets. I expect us to go up in taxes. That's one way they're going to pull money out of the U.S. economy is they're going to tax it. The second thing they're going to do is inflate the currency. So we've already seen that. We've seen them inflating the currency now. And we've seen them raising taxes, and they will. So just a couple things. Arif at TFSWealth.com if you have an email question. Come back because this one is very interesting. 
It's a little bit of formula, a little bit of math. Grab your pen and paper. When we come back, I'm Eric Hallaby, the Total Financial Hour, 888 retire Stay with me. Thanks to Arif Halaby. Now every dollar's got a job to do. Arif makes your money work for you. Security will help you live the life you dream. Learn about financial power, the total financial hour. Now, higher income strategy. Learn from Arab Halaby. Hey, welcome back to the show. Thanks for being with me. I'm Arab Halaby. We're talking about your emails, your financial issues, emails. I'm answering some questions. We're also going to have some special guests come on in the next few weeks. I think that's going to be fun as well. You get a chance. You probably will recognize some of them. Certainly their names and voices will be familiar to you as we talk about some financial strategies moving forward. Part of what I want to bring up to you, uh, look, recent study shows about 50, what was it? 57% of Americans paid zero income tax. Half paid nothing. This baloney that, that President Biden is giving, oh, a fireman and a teacher, you know, they pay a greater percentage of their income in taxes. It's because they have to tax that money to put it back into Social Security because these are the same people that are going to need Social Security. These are the same people that go on disability. So they have to tax it. It's not income tax. For 57% of Americans, the tax that they say, right, because they know that the left knows they're being dishonest. They use the word tax. And what do they mean by it? It's like me saying fee. What kind of fee? Right? People say, Arif, Arif, uh, the, the tax. Well, there's payroll tax. There's income tax. There's social security tax, right, inside of that payroll. There's workers' compensation fees. There's uh, disability. There's SUDA, FUDA, right? Those are different acronyms. You can look them up. Federal unemployment, disability. Right? I mean, these things are everywhere. So what they do is they... <laughs> When you tax unearned income, you want to you want to finish the United States as a com- as a country. Let the Biden tax increase on quote the wealthy be a part of his next plan, and look deep inside of that to see President Obama was the first president since the advent of the Roth IRA to decide if he want that he wanted to tax the Roth IRA. You see, under President Obama's administration. He required every financial institution that held a retirement account to send in every year the balances of those retirement accounts. Now, that never happened before since the, since the advent of retirement accounts in the 60s and 70s. So what did it do? Well, listen, you always, the contribution, well, that was 
that was sent to the government, right on your on your tax returns, Arif put in $6,000 into his IRA or $7,000 into his IRA. Got it. The contribution was, and then the, the age, in this case, the re- required minimum distribution age, the balance amount at age 72. Those two things were the only times that the government was aware of the balance, the amount, or the existence of your, of your retirement account. Other than that, you could have $2 million, 2000 200000 Nobody paid attention to it because it wasn't their business because it wasn't a taxable event yet. It was between you and the financial institution. The moment President Obama required that to happen, then now what they do is they stand over it and they look to see as these balances come in, they go, oh, 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 look at look how much money are in Roth IRAs, huh? So under his last budget before he left office, he said, we want to tax Roth IRAs. Now, thankfully, there was a Republican or conservative, uh, well, relatively conservative Congress at the time. And they said, no, we're not going to do that. So that was pulled out of the final bill. But now, Nancy Pelosi and her ilk Chuck Schumer and his ilk, and Biden and Kamala Harris is the tie vote. Let's see if that ends up getting into the system. They're going to tax money that was never, you, you can't do that. You can't say you're going to tax income and then not, and then tax wealth. And they're going to say, look, this is, well, what we're going to do is we're going to create a crediting method. This is what the gentleman said from the uh, Economics uh, Council. President's Economic Council. We're going to tax this money now, and then we're going to create a crediting method. So when they do sell that building in 20 or 30 or 40 years, we're going to give them a credit of the taxes that they've already paid. Do you really think the government's going to keep track of that? Do you really think the taxes that they pull right now are not going to be undone, the credits that you receive by a future liberal left-wing administration? You can't go back and say, oh, you know what? You changed the rules. Give me my money back. It's gone. It's gone forever. You really think you're going to supposed to, you're, you're supposed to keep track of three decades of tax returns <laughs> in, your, in what? You're the top drawer over there on the left. Nobody's going to do that. Nobody will keep track of it. It's impossible. You don't even keep track of your stock purchases or your Bitcoin or your gold coins or your silver coins. And nobody does. I, I mean, you should. But it's just very difficult. It's almost impossible because it's money coming and going and deposits and did I count for this share, that stock, this dividend. Very difficult. Oh, but Arif, the billionaires, they have a team of people. Okay, they do. But you really think that anybody is going to track that and they're going to give you credit for that back someday? All I do is go back to the regular income tax. The income tax was designed for, quote, the the wealthy. Right, a hundred years ago, when they bifurcated the rich versus the poor, they created, started really uh, clarifying and and fine tuning the class system in the United States, the rich and the poor, and they made the poor so angry that they want to go after those rich people. And what they're going to do is go after those rich people, and they're going to take from them through this thing called an income tax. And it was one percent, and it was those rich people, and we're going to get them. All right. Well, guess what now? Now they tax everybody and all, uh, everything is a tax. Anytime the government gets involved in something, they mess it up. They have to. It's just too big. There's too many people who have positions and jobs inside of that agency that just don't work, right? They're lazy. They, they take all their free p- 
paternity, maternity leave, and then they take vacation, and then they sick time, and then they you know spend a half an hour in the morning, but clocking in, of course, but getting their coffee, going to the restroom, talking to their friends. Then they work a little bit. Then they take an hour and a half, maybe two hour lunch break, but they don't tell anybody because there's no really clocking in system because I can't get fired unless I punch my boss. And then they leave early. Why? Because I have a dentist, doctor, slash my kids, my parents need me appointment. So you leave, right? There's no, well, listen, today you only produce six widgets. So uh, listen, you have to produce more ne next week or you're fired. There, there, there's none of that accountability in those government agencies. I know, I was part of one. People do whatever they want. You just have to be liked. You don't have to produce. No, I'm not saying everybody. The, the ones that are the most uh, adamant about this are, believe it or not, the ones who are the better workers of the group. Right? They're very angry because they're the ones that pull the weight for the entire department, agency, division. Everybody else is... is not, so, look, do you want to trust them with more money? You can. You think they're going to do a good job with it? Great. I'm saying pay your taxes, but I'm also saying don't vote for these crazies that want more taxes because they already mess up what they have. If you were so good at it, I would give you more. I'd say, you know what? You're doing a great job. Here's some more. All right, here's what I want you to do. Grab your pen and paper because this question is a little bit more detailed. All right, dear Arif, I'm ready to retire this year and I have the option for a cash out of my pension. All right, take a break here now. Here's what that means. Companies and organizations and some utilities give employees the option. We're going to pay you a fixed amount for the rest of your life or we are going to give you one big check based on a number, right? I'll get to that in a minute. And we'll never see you again. Here's your check. Bye-bye. So you got to look at this and say, does it make sense to do one versus the other? All right, back to the question. How do I know whether or not I should take the monthly pension? Maybe I should take the lump sum buyout. I'm not sure. The monthly amount is $3,800. This is where I want you to grab your pen and paper. The monthly amount is $3,800. It would be about $2,000 a month for my wife if I die first. After that, the kids receive nothing. So you understand that if husband and wife pass away at the same time, all of the money that's in that pension plan that's allocated for Richard, his name is, it's gone. It's, they took the money. They used it for other people. It's the way it works. Okay? So his kids receive nothing. And that matters a lot. So we'll see. Uh, da, 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 da. Okay. The lump sum option is about $900,000. All right. So there's, there it is. He's going to receive $3,800 a month in exchange for $900,000. Never seeing it again. Bye-bye, nine hundred. dollars Or he can say, give me the $900,000. I'm going to take care of myself, my wife, and my kids. I'll, uh, I'm going to do the right thing or not. Maybe he does the right thing. Maybe he doesn't. Let's see what he does or what he wants to do. How can I... Here's his question. What do you think is the best option for my family if I want to make sure my wife and kids are taken care of forever? Well, I would say, Richard, here's the big thing. First of all, who we want to make sure is taken care of forever would probably be your wife. The kids have their own little story and their own life. Um... That's just a social commentary on my part because I think making sure the kids have a head start or, or you know begin life with something, I'm okay with all that. But taking care of forever, that's, that's a little too, too deep for me. <laughs> all right. So here's what I would do. 
All right. So you have to do the math. And the math is this. $3,800 a month times 12 will give you a number. And when you divide that back into 900000 you just see, can I get a better in, uh, rate of withdrawal? Okay, let me be clear on this. Also, guys, with your emails from now on, please try to include your age. Your age, and if you're, you're talking about your wife or husband, uh, add their age as well. Okay, so add the age of each, because that matters a little bit. For example, if you're 55 years old and these are the numbers, I'm going to say take the pension amount, take the monthly amount. If you're going to give me $3,800 a month and I'm 55 years old for the rest of my life, that's a really good number. I'm happy about that. But if you're 70 years old or 69 or 68, right, getting close to 70, I'm going to say $3,800 a month is not very good. I would take the $900,000 a month, uh, 900000 lump sum. So the lump sum, can we do something with it to make sure your wife and kids are cared for? So here's what I would do. Remember this, that 3800 a month and the 2000 for your wife after you die, both of those numbers are taxable. <clears throat> so that matters because the 3800 a month is not really what you're going to receive, especially if you're going to stay in the state of California. For a lot of you that stay in the state of California, you're going to end up spending a lot more money, not just on income tax, but on other things where the tax of that, uh, you know, gas tax and, and grocery uh, sales tax and on and on car registration, property tax, all of those things are taxed at a, at a higher rate in the state of California and you're not really receiving anything for it. Now you get great weather, so maybe that's worth the purchase price, but you, you have to decide that. So the monthly amount is 3800 a month, but you're not really going to receive all of that because you have to pay taxes on it, right? And then the quality of life and the expenses to live in the state. So that 900000 here's what I would look at. I would probably say, let's buy a life insurance policy for the kids. You can do something. How many kids? Let's say you have, I don't know, let's just do standard two kids. And what do you want each kid to receive? It would be nice if they received $100,000, if that's the number. Then I would buy a $200,000 life insurance policy. It goes tax-free to the children. Remember that. Life insurance is tax-free. So, you put the children as the beneficiary, the kids, you make one payment, one check, maybe it's 80, maybe it's 100,000, maybe it's $120,000, something like that. One time and the rest of it is paid for forever. It's kind of the way the, the formula works. Assuming you're healthy, of course. Now, that's one thing I would do. The other thing I might say is instead of life insurance, tell me about your house. Because if your house is paid off or pretty close to being paid off and your kids, you, you want them to inherit the house, remember, the house is also tax-free. Under current law, the, the kids can receive the house income tax-free. So let's say your home is worth a million dollars by the time you die and your wife dies, right? Both of you pass away. Now, instead of that life insurance, let's keep that money, that 200000 for you and give the kids the house. And that is, if it's a million dollars, that's 500000 tax-free for each one of the two children. That's a pretty good number. Tax-free. I like that. If it is enough for your wife to live, we can get, a, of that 900000 I can probably get around thirty-five, thirty-eight hundred a month forever, tax-free, and it goes up. We would use financial products. 
that have the ability to get a cost of living increase, basically, like a cost of living, but you get an increase in your income every time you, you get market increases. In other words, uh, if the stock market index, let's say the S&P 500, if it goes up and that's the index you chose, you could have an increase in your income, in your payout. So right now it's 3800 a month, uh, or let's call it 3500 okay? Let's say eh, 3500 But in the next five years, it becomes 4000 and then 4200 and then, right? So you could end up with an increase in payout much, much greater than what you think by using products that have an income increasing. Now, sometimes we might use those products. Sometimes we might use accounts where we do laddering, similar to the first call, actually, uh, the first email where we take the accounts that you have and you separate them into two or three different products. One has a job to do, which is to give you income right now. Because just like Tom Hania, he's, he's a, an amazing author. I like him a lot. There's a book called The Paychecks to Playchecks. It's great. For some reason he adopted this uh, funny orange color, so he's got an orange theme in everything he does. Paychecks to Playchecks. And what does it say? It says that in your first 10 years or so of retirement, you have something called the go-go years. You retire, things go crazy, you're traveling the world, you're having a blast, you're, you're living life, you're doing all the fun things that you want to do. Spending money, traveling around the world, buying that RV, world cruises, whatever it might be. Then the next 10 years are the slow-go years. That's usually when you're closer to home. You're going to travel around closer to home. You'll spend time with the grandkids. You're going to go and come, go and come, but in a, in a much smaller radius. And then the last 10 years of your life are retirement, right? It's called the no-go years. In an assisted living or you're at home and people come to you. So you're doing less traveling. And where are you spending your money? Well, the first 10 years, you're spending it on trips. You're spending it on that car that you always wanted, the new set of golf clubs. You're spending it on things, usually, and experiences. The second 10 years, you're usually spending it on other people, helping your grandkids go to private school, get into that college, buy your kids. I want them to see, I want them to have their, their inheritance while I can still see what they do. So I'm going to help them have $100,000 for a down payment on their new house. I've seen that story, right? I'm going to give them 100000 for the rental property of their choice. I'm going to teach them what I know. There's, there's things like that that take place. The last 10 years, you're spending it where? On care, on assisted living, widening the hallways, adjusting the kitchen, making sure there's a ramp in the front yard or the backyard pool has a lift. You're spending it a lot closer to home, right? Go-go, slow-go, no-go. I think Tom Hania actually coined those phrases, so I'll give him credit for it. Now, the key is this. If you're going to expect a pension to be there for you or a life insurance company through annuities to be there for you, you have to look at a couple of things. In the pension world, depending on your employer, and Richard didn't put his employer down. Uh, even if you did, Richard, I wouldn't, I wouldn't say it out loud, just so you know. I, I would do research behind the scenes and kind of give you the consequences of them. But generally speaking, you can find out the health of the pension from your employer. 
Some employee, uh, some employers have pension plans that are very healthy, strong, lots of money, good investment philosophies, not, not paying out too much, right? Not over-promising. And some of them are on the border of default. And people don't know that. So there's an insurance company that helps guarantee your pension income. Isn't that funny? We say go directly to insurance companies. Here the insurance company guarantees the pension. It's called the Pension Benefit Guarantee Corporation. It's an insurance company. Their job is to guarantee the pension. But probably, Richard, the 3800 that they are telling you you will receive, it's probably not all insured. My experience has been that the employers usually insure, let's say, $1,700 or, or $2,000 or maybe even $1,100. I've seen that as a floor. Meaning, if the pension system goes out of, out of whack, the government can come in and say, you guys are in default, so you now have to give up your pension system, all the money. Sometimes people do it voluntarily. They sell their pension system. And they say, you now have to go in under the Pension Benefit Guarantee Corp. So, last month you were getting $3,800 a month. Next month, it's $1,750 a month. So, you want to do some research on your employers. See, how healthy is their pension plan? Sometimes it's hard to find that out, actually. So, you got to do some work on it. The second part of it is the life insurance company itself. They have to be solid. They have to have guarantees. They have to have uh, protections in place. And there's through what's called a reserve fund. Okay, so when you're, what you're looking at is how much money do they have set aside for every dollar that they promise? Here's what I mean. When you look at an, at an employer, they're going to promise a certain amount of money that they're going to pay for their employees. Sometimes people say, listen, uh, listen, we, we've had this recently, guys. The employees will say, guys, my employer is in the news every single day with another lawsuit and another lawsuit and a class action lawsuit and a billion dollar lawsuit. So, Arif, I don't know if my employer is going to be able to maintain this pension for the rest of my working life and my, my wife's working life. So I'm going to just take the lump sum, even though I might make a little bit more money in the pension. They are being sued left and right. And ultimately, if they can't work their way through these lawsuits, well, they're going to give my pension up to the Pension Benefit Guarantee Corporation, and I could end up with a lower monthly guarantee. So I'm not going to do it. So sometimes people will choose to take the lump sum option for that reason, because they know that there's, well, uncertainty on the horizon. All right, now, how do you go from the frying pan into the fire, right? How do you make sure that the, that the issue that you have with the employer's uh, solvency is not going to transfer over to the insurance company's solvency? Uh, very simple. I want you to make sure, and you can check with me uh, if you work with us or, or whoever you choose to work with. Ask them, what is the rating of the insurance company? that you work with? What is the guarantees? What do they have in reserves? Because an insurance company is supposed to have in reserves a certain amount of money. Maybe it's 110%. So if they promised you $100,000, well, they should have 110,000. Maybe it's 
right? It, we want the insurance company to be in the A-rated category. A, A+, A++, maybe even A-, minus, depending on how they do their rating system, but at least in the A category. Now, most of the companies that I work with are in the A-plus category. I don't think any of them, maybe one of them is an A, but, but all the others are A-plus or better. And that's important because we want them to be around. We make sure the companies that we work with have been in business for at least one or two wars, numerous recessions. They've had to been around long enough to go through a recession, a depression, a war. Now, I guess none of this is a, is a guarantee the world isn't going to start speaking Chinese and the American dollar is worthless. I, I don't know those. Nobody knows those, uh, you know, that future. But we do know that we can have guarantees the best we can guarantee with the companies that we work with, right? Their claims paying ability, we can research that stuff. And then you find one that you're comfortable with. If your employer is one that is on the news every other week or we had this where there's commercials on TVs, right, from the law firms. If you're a victim of so-and-so, please call our number, right? Smith & Jones, we're the best law firm that will get you your money and you say, oh, that's my employer. I probably won't, probably won't be working there long. All right. So I want you guys to be careful. Look, let me give you my number again. 888-99-RETIRE. 888-997-3847. I'm Arif Hallaby. Send us an email to Arif at TFSWealth.com and we'll put you on the air or I can answer it directly. Sometimes we do both. I'm Arif Hallaby. Thanks for being part of the show. The Total Financial Hour. You have a great day. Now Arif has a plan for me. Higher income strategy. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.